You're just in time. Welcome to episode 20 of Sassmouth Dame's podcast. Today I'm talking about Flamingo Road from 1949, starring Joan Crawford. Today I'm delighted to welcome my first guest ever on the podcast. I can't think of anyone better to discuss a Joan Crawford picture than Matt Harris, an archivist and hardcore Joan Crawford fan who lives in London. Matt, thanks for coming over today. Thanks for having me. So, Matt, um, what makes uh, Flamingo Road a standout Joan picture for you? Well, in many ways, this has a lot of the ingredients for a typical Joan Crawford film. The rags to riches story, the the melodrama, the costume changes, the um, great ensemble cast, but the fact that it's very much her film, Um, as well as many of the... Many of the people she's worked with before, director Michael Curtis, Zachary Scott from Mildred Pierce. Um, it's just a fun film. Um, it, it's been called Camp, which it is, I think. But it's also just a good film. Like It's, a, it's really well-constructed, really beautifully shot. Um, it's a solid studio picture, and I, I love it. I think so as well. And every time I, I see uh, critics pan this... It makes me angry because I would take this any day over something like humoresque or possessed. Like I could only watch those maybe once a year, but I don't want to see Joan walking in the sea and I don't want to see her get shock treatments. Right. I want to see her be a carny girl who <laughs> moves from, as you say, rags to riches yeah. and is taking the hair appointments away from the senator's wife. That's my Joan. Yeah. In many ways, this is more like her 30s films um, mm-hmm. in terms of the story arc that she has, that it's really her film and that she dominates. and. And all the men are weak. She's yes. smarter. Yes, she has yes. to help um. them figure it out. <laughs> um, so as much as I love Zachary Scott in this, he looks so boyish. Oh, yeah. He's so... Well, it, I think it's the, he, they took off the facial hair. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's very, uh, I guess, effeminate in this. The hat, though, too. Yeah. It's like he's playing dress-up sheriff. Yeah. And... He's just weak in this film, like you said. He's, yeah. And every time he says something, she's faster on the take. Like when he first comes in, he's like, you know, what are you doing here? And she's like, get in a parade. Who are you? Yeah. She's like faster than he is. Um, and she comes out on top in the end of the song, you know? Mm-hmm. As she should. Yeah, always. of course. Um, so, yeah, we have we have the glamour. We have the struggle. We have, you know, the grit and determination are all the hallmarks of our 30s pictures that sort of go over. But one thing I like about this one is, when we move into the 40s and 50s, it was increasingly Joan alone, but fewer women. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. this one has a lot of women in it. It does. I love um, Gladys George in uh, this as the, you know, the brothel, madam, essentially. Mm-hmm. They don't call it a brothel, but, you know. It sure it's, is. It clearly is. Um, she's the standout character actress in this for me. Her character's just so much fun, um, as well as just a really likable person. Like mm-hmm. she's just She's great. 
Yeah, she's no nonsense. And she's yep. 49. She was 49 when she made that. And I think she looks great and she would look better if she didn't have all those tight, very severe curls. Like if they gave yeah. her a better hairdo, like let her be a little bit more on the sexy side, I think she would have done really well. I think they wanted her to look older. Yeah. But. Yeah. So you have to be old and haggard to be mad yeah, yeah, or something. But, you know, when Titus comes in and she says, uh, when you walk through that door, I'm the authority. And she means it. Oh, and, yeah. And we know it. Um, she's great. I also, I, I think the best line in this picture um, uh, belongs to Iris Adrian, who's in the prison with her. In the when she's, you know, this what films did then this one brief little scene to tell you what life is like then. And you know, she asked Joan, "What are you in here for?" And Joan says, "They said I was trying to pick up men on the street." And the and she asked this woman at Blanche, and Blanche says, "My boyfriend cut himself on a knife I was holding," <laughs> and they laugh like yeah. that's woman's pictures right. to me. That's everything. That's that solidarity I live for. between them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And men, <laughs> he just happened to cut himself on the knife I was sure. holding. That's great. <laughs> then there's also Alice White who plays um, Gracie. She's the um, the sort of uh, waitress, maybe a little bit more than that. Right. The way David Bryan puts his arms around her waist and whatnot when she's serving drinks in the first scene in the brothel. Um, and she looks really like the lights have dimmed for her. You know, mm. she was this pre-code cutie and now she looks, you know, like she's kind of struggling a little bit. Um but she's really good. And Millie, um, who's the, the cafe waitress, who's got that really saucy kind of southern accent, um, she's good as well. So what about, okay, so her big antagonist in this is Sidney Greenstreet. What makes well, him a standout villain? Um, he's always a good villain. Um, in this film, he looks like he's dying. I mean, he did die, what, a few five years after this film? Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks ill. But he's also, he's meant to be grotesque in this film. You know, he's meant to be such a horrible person. He's so domineering. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, Joan slaps him around and ultimately, spoiler alert, she kills him. <laughs> on th- on their first um, meeting, she's smacking yeah. him around. <laughs> Maybe a little, you know, uh, you know honey. Yeah, he's the main antagonist for her. And um, they're such polar opposites. And yeah. Mm-hmm. He can, He's sitting behind when she's having um, the first cafe dinner with um, Field and the Eagle Cafe, and he's sitting behind a potted tree, like glowering over mm. his big, you know, jug of milk and shoveling food in his face. And he does look sickly. He looks, his head is kind of shaped like a light bulb. It's really big and bulbous on top, and then it's so narrow and like kind of shrunken so that you can be that big mm. and like yeah. look shrunken at the same time. It's kind of weird. He moves so slowly, except for a couple scenes, like when he has the final showdown with Joan and he's somehow really quick. Or when he he barges into Joan and um, David Bryan, Dan Reynolds' house, and he's sort of like throwing his weight around and throwing, you know, the files at them. So he's got this weird, like he wakes up and is animated when you really don't expect him to. You always expect him to be that rocking chair, slow moving, you know, figure. Um, And then, of course, Joan has that great line. Do you know how difficult it is to get rid of a dead elephant? That, mm. that, That showdown in the in the restaurant when she shows up and she's all glamorous. And he's not expecting to see her. And she's had her, her sort of comeback moment where he's had her in jail before. And now she's back as the, the politician's wife. She's glamorous and she's asserting her authority in a space that he thinks is his. Mm-hmm. She it's has so, the money. So much, it, yeah. And it's so much fun to just that confrontation between them is the main point of the film. Um, she's so calm. She doesn't even have to slap him this time because right. it, she yeah, slaps exactly. him with the money and the, the glamour and the just prestige. By being, just by being there is a slap in his face, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it, I love that scene too because 
what precedes that interaction when Fields with his wife, um, you know, who's uh, Annabelle, who's played by uh, Virginia Houston. And she's like, oh, I think it's a disgrace that he's flaunting this woman in here. And, you know, he she took my salon appointment and she has enough clothes and furs and jewelry to open up her own, you know, salon or <laughs> or, or um, something. Yeah. And then she finds out they're married and she says, oh, I must call on her immediately. <laughs> you know, that's what women do. It's <laughs> sure. like, oh, she's a bitch and I'll I'll rip her apart. But once she's legit now, we're friends. You know, yeah, we'll be friends. Um, it, it's played off really well. Mm. And it's kind of interesting in their costumes how they mirror each other. So in the beginning, she has those very prim um, pinstripes on the front of the bodice of her uh, dress. And then Joan later has one that's really almost identical. It's like that's what you wear when you live on Flamingo Road. Right. And and Joan doesn't like even uniform. have to guess. She knows yeah. already. Um, she just assumes the role without any kind of effort. I don't know. Sometimes I think, like, is there something warped about me that I look at Joan and all I see is this glamour and beauty? I mean, to me, she's 43 here and she's kind of like ageless. And then I read something like um, that guy, Alan K. Road, who just had that um, Michael Cortez uh, biography published. And he said, the picture was a formulaic, well-made melodrama that was weakened by Crawford as a sideshow Venus whom men clambered after. At 45, but she wasn't, she was 43, yeah. her ability to credibly put these types of roles across was diluted. The star's close-ups reveal an aged in vodka maturity that could not be obscured by Purse Westmore's makeup or Ted McCord's camera filters. I mean, this is heresy. I mean, he's wrong. He is. I mean, first of all, she looks absolutely flawless. She does not look 43, um, but more, partly that's the benefit of hindsight. People at the time didn't know that she was a heavy drinker, but does it matter? You know, she carries the film. It's her film. And um, her, her waist is, I mean, it's it's slimmer sure. than most of the women half her age. I can see the opening scene where you first see her um, as a carnival dancer. Yeah, maybe she looks a little bit too mature, for, but... People get distracted by that, and they, that colors their view of the rest of the film, mm-hmm. as well as the view of hindsight that, you know, she was older and she was doing a kind of role that she'd already done a lot. She'd been doing for tw- almost 20 years by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, when she's on that stage, um, she's not trying to look sexy, though, to me. She looks bored. She's, yes. like, rolling her eyes, and she's holding out her hand to test for rain. Like, she's done she's, it so many she's times. she's meant to have that kind of maturity. Like, she's been doing this for a while, and she wants to change, mm-hmm. you know? She wants to change, and she's not she's not the least bit interested in titillating the men in the audience. She's yeah. just there doing her job. Yep. And her job is, you know, swinging her hips around. I love that scene, though, too, because it shows what a lot of other films about carnivals miss is that it was a a chance for sex in small towns. Like, you know, it was a peep show, basically. For 10 cents, you got to watch women half dressed. Like, if you look at the signs when the camera's moving in, one says, um, you know, girls without and a big question mark. And and Joan's sign says, you know, exotic burlesque as you like it, you know. So and we see so many male patrons in the crowd that they're there for, for you know to get their jollies <laughs> but it's clearly a very conservative town it's mm-hmm. a small southern town mm-hmm. dominated by Sydney Green Street Titus Semple you know um, but it also has a brothel you know mm-hmm. there's this hypocrisy there it's definitely heavily regimented. So those towns are ruled by guys like Titus, by the pastor or the pulpit and then the rhythms of either what is it like the um, the um 
the farm, you know, the cocks crow or the whistle at the factory kind of thing. And so this is the little bit of respite that you get. And then mm. they don't want outsiders coming in profiting from that. They want to control yeah. it like with Ludie May. So that's why they're always shutting them down or, or chasing them out of town. Yeah, I, I like that because I think they kind of miss that a little bit in um, Nightmare Alley from two years earlier. We get oh, more yeah. of like the scams and, you know, um, how people are, are used and taken in as marks. But it's really all about sex, I think, the carnivals. Right. To me, it veers off a little bit, the, the film, when we get into the political machinations between Dan and Titus. And you're like, where's Joan? Joan yeah, disappears absolutely. for like 25 minutes. And, um, I, you know, when you're watching a Joan Crawford film, you want her in every frame. Yes, um, and you're right. This it does veer off a bit to the kind of the men, the politics. I would have liked to see her involved a bit more in that side of it because, you know, she knows what's up. She knows how things work. She's able to play the game. It would have been nice to see her being not just the politician's wife, but actually involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sort of pulling his strings behind the scenes yeah. as um, you know. Uh, even something simple as when she does that nice thing and gets him the shop in the basement and she's like, you know, you're always going on and on about that, you know, boring story that's so pathetic because you miss this shop that you had in the in the farm, in the barn. Um, so, you know, she remembers everything. She has a great memory. She knows what people want. She knows how to deliver it. You know, like when they first meet and he's like, what's that stuff? And she says, daylight. Well, I don't like mm. it. Turn it off. <laughs> It's all of us in the morning after, oh, yeah. I guess. Um, um, one other thing that I wanted to say about Sydney Green Street, though, I say I say this looking down at my notes, is his makeup. Is the base built in duck fat or butter <laughs> or the grease from the bacon pan at Ludie Mays? He's got this really unnatural shine. Yeah. Like, it's not just sweat. It's They tried to make him look worse, Oh, I they think. tried to make him as grotesque as possible, you know? But then it's the contrast with Joan, you know? She's, she's flawless mm-hmm. and... He's the monster in the film. He's the monster. Yeah. So when they meet and she's got, she walks into the dining room and, you know, um, he says, um, field, Zachary Scott says, you're a long way from the Eagle Cafe. And she says, well, it's still a dining room. Like, duh, buddy. You know, yeah, like sure. she, she's not really building herself up and she knows she has much further to get than where she is. Um, but she's got that, that mink stole that it, I don't know how you, you position it White in that way. It's like a skew. Yeah. It's kind of like a sash. Kind of on her shoulders, but like you're right, like a but, sash. But hung down on one side. I couldn't have done that. I don't know how you keep that on together like that. Um, she looks fabulous. And then the... The, uh, the kind of spiky necklace yeah, type thing the cutouts, like um It's trivia did the gowns, I think. Um, oh, right. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe not her best costumes, but, you know, it gives you what you want from a Joan Crawford film. It gives you the furs and the hair and the jewels. And it's... <laughs> There's enough variety, I think. But she also has the waitress looks earlier on in the film, you know. Both at Ludie Mays and the exactly, cafe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, those are good. Because it's the just... transition that you want, you know. And a chance to see Joan in her slip as well when she's changing that in, too, in Ludie the, Mays. In the tent as well. When, and when, in the tent. When Zachary Scott, is, when she first meets him. That's... And she's changing behind him. and it, Yeah. And he's so boyish and he can't, like, so what is this woman it? doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so, co- she's so confident that it just establishes her self-confidence in herself, you know. Mm-hmm. That we've already seen because she's a dance, a carnival dancer, but. 
that she um, she doesn't have any shame about that. She's obviously disrobed in front of men many times. Yeah. She has a sexual confidence that Zachary Scott doesn't have. Nope. And that's probably why he's hiding out in a bottle. But she says, oh, you know, no, like there's not going to be any negotiation. You're not going to say, oh, if you do this for me, I'll do that. No hot breath on my neck. She's basically saying, hey, buddy, right. I'm giving you the playbook. You know, <laughs> go ahead and, and take it. And he just doesn't know what to do. Mm. Um, so she'd never be happy with a guy like that. No. What do you think of David Bryan as a leading man? He's okay. I mean, he's not Clark Gable. Mm-hmm. He's not Clark Gable. That's, you know, that's all you can say about really any of the men Joan acted with who are not... Like, he's good, but he... he... Do we feel like she really loves him? I don't think so. Mm, no. You know, she's there for the status, for the, the furs and the jewels, for the, you know... For two nickels of yeah, soda. to get to get back a Sydney Green Street for the status for the to be on Flamingo Road. His eyes are weird. I don't know if it's like his eyelashes curl in a way that just annoys me. Um, he's really tall though, and I, I don't know. Joan must have been standing on a step ladder to be basically at his face in the clinches and whatnot. She was my size, five four. He's mm. six four, I think, or six three. Um, but I guess that's just the the usual staging or something. Mm-hmm. He says, um, you know, after that, that time when he's hungover, he says, fun is like insurance. The older you get, the more it costs. Um, so he has to pay more for his hangovers. Right. When she comes and makes him eggs, she makes him breakfast. Mm-hmm. She's there for him. She knows what he wants. Right. It feels, um, I don't know, I don't want to say manipulative, but she's she's there and she's... Kind of quietly doing things yeah, behind yeah, the yeah. scenes that he doesn't recognize. Right. Getting him through his hangover. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And then Ludie Mae comes in and she knows what Joan's doing, you know. Yeah, she can um, see it. She's seen it before. She probably did it before. Mm-hmm. She needs her own movie, I think, Ludie Mae. I just like seeing her wa- name as well. Wa- I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> and what about um, when Titus talks about his, you know, that rat chewed off his toe one night and then he plugged up all the ho- holes and that's how I kept my toes all these years. That's the, you know, the preliminary that Joan finishes off with the elephant. So he's calling her a rat, basically. And at another point, he calls her that stray uh, cat from the carnival. Right. So I guess that's why she smacks the crap out of him when yeah. we first meet. And it looks like, I mean, it's a real connect, too. It doesn't look like a stage slap. Um, and again, the slapping is in so many of her films. Um, but this is one of the most vicious, I think. Sin's probably a woman's face when that, she yes. beat the crap out of Osa Masson. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I can't think of another film where she so really goes for it. Not even with Vita. But she deserves it. I mean, he deserves it. I'd say so. And then there's that bit with, um, yeah, like the way she l- leans down and it's so fast, it's like a cobra strike. Um, so you know it's going to go really bad after that. I mean, it's not a surprise that he's out to get her after that. Yeah. And then she goes to jail for the soliciting beef and whatnot. So, yeah, so the men are either dimwits, ogres, or drunks. Um, there's the Sims boy, the guy who knocks the 80 cents out of her hand when she tries to, you know, that's something women would do today. They'd say, you know, you're not going to get lucky. Here, I'll pay for my own dinner, and, I'll, you know, we'll just call yeah. it quits. And he knocks the, the money out of her hand. Um, and then... I guess Field tries to get tough after that, but any sense of, um, 
You know, so um, everybody says this picture is bad. Joan herself was such a, she said it was a big miss on Cortez's part, on my part, on Zachary Scott's part. She had nothing good to say about it, but she was never her best. She was a terrible judge of her own films. I think so. Um, She loved Torch Song. She thought that was a wonderful film. Oh, I love Torch Song. I mean, I love it too, but it's not objectively a great film. Mm -hmm. She thought it was great. She thought that Johnny Guitar was a disaster. Mm-hmm. Again, some would say it is. I love it. Mm-hmm. But you're right. She was a terrible judge of her own films. She wasn't a good judge of her own work, I think. She also hated Rain, which I love. Yep, another she, one. Where and she, she said, what, what was it about um, Reunion in France? She said um, if there was, it would play on a loop, like in Hell or something. Yes. But if we, if we I all love had to, that. Well, again, it's not a great film. But yes, she said if, if you had to watch your own worst things in hell, I would have to watch that on a loop. Yeah. and She I, also said, oh no, uh, is Reunion in France done with John Wayne, where she said he didn't know what to do when he's not on a horse. On a horse, right. Yeah. Well, he's the worst part of that. Absolutely. But, but the idea of that she's the socialite who gets a social conscience. In 1943, yeah. it was really important, I think, for a woman's picture to do. And that part's really well done, but then when he's in it, it just... It just all they goes no to hell chemistry. Then. None. Absolutely. And it, what what does he do in there? Like, we don't even know. Like, he no. doesn't seem to have a purpose except to distract her from important work. So, yeah. So I don't think she was a good um, indication of that. And, you know, people, when they talk about this, don't say that it was a hit. So there were six films that year that Warners did that made a million or more. And Flamingo Road was one of them. Right. So it was a hit. And people did go to see it. But I don't know why it's gotten saddled with such a bad reputation. I think it's delightful. And I always tell people like where they can go and see it online. If the, I try to pick films that they do. Yeah. So if you Google Flamingo Road, you'll find it. It's on that F Films website and the link to the secret Russian website that I've talked about before. So you can watch Flamingo Road online. You don't have to buy the DVD. Um, I think that's important to mention. Um, so she's smart, she's loyal, she's glamorous. Um, you know, those, uh, I love the bit about she doesn't want to be called cheap in the tent when she's saying like she's tired of one night stands and moldy tents and greasy food and tired of being called cheap. So it's again, it's like this progress for, um, self-improvement, self-help. She knows what she wants to be, but she just needs like the right opportunity or the right man to get there to realize it. Big theme in so many of her films, this She's getting herself where she wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like like in Babyface, the guy says to Barbara Stanwyck, use men, use men to get the things <laughs> you want. Um, but that could apply to so many of Joan's films. Mm-hmm. She like, knows where she wants to get. She wants the furs and she wants, she doesn't want to be a waitress. Like in um, Dancing Lady when um, Francho says, sends her 50 bucks and says, you know, get a dress without a zipper and shoes without a bow. You know, mm-hmm. he's trying to, yeah. you know, class her up or something and she does and so that's why she goes with him even though clearly she has all the sexual chemistry with Clark Gable but she knows that Francia will help make her a lady yep um and uh, later on, we get that as well in The Damn Don't Cry. When it's the same sort of thing. David Bryan saying, your perfume's cheap, you're cheap, you know. Yeah. That's an Etruscan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, meaning some When guy. he opens the windows because he thinks her perfume smells cheap. And it's, yeah. It's really degrading for her. You know, he's horrible to her. He is. In more than one way. Oh, that, yeah, absolutely. Terrible. So what else do we have to say about Flamingo Road? But you're right that it's not remembered well. I think because... It's so melodramatic that it almost becomes soap opera. The characters are so over the top 
Joan is almost in some ways an exaggeration of the characters that she's played before. Mm-hmm. Um, Sidney Greenstreet is so villainous that he's almost like a a caricature of a villain, you know? Mm-hmm. He is d- dipped in grease fat or bacon fat. At a time when films were becoming gritty rather than melodramatic. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about what were the films we tend to remember from the late 40s, early 50s, they tend to be film noir, uh, you know, crime films, more masculine. Mm-hmm. At a time when women's films were starting to go out of fashion. But you know this what? This is still very much a women's film. It is, but I was thinking about this film. The way that Jones introduced, like when we, we see her and when she's lying on her cot and she's singing yep. and smoking and just trying to have a quiet moment, she's not overly concerned about herself. Now, if I was alone in a tent somewhere, I would be worried about multiple things. I don't know if I'd be able to just sing and smoke cigarettes. But if you took her out of that, you could put a guy in that role, even the name Lane Bellamy. And, you know, it's the same kind of story we see again and again, whether it's like Shane or all of those spaghetti westerns that Clint Eastwood made. It's like a guy comes to town. He has an antagonist, whether it's the sheriff or a pastor or somebody, and like pushes it into this like violent climax, a showdown. And that's what Jones got. She has the man's role here. Um, And, you know, I was thinking about this, too, when... um, he she says, "Don't you want to? Aren't you going to ask me?" And um, Zachary Scott says, "What your life story?" And Joan says, "Yeah." And she tells him, "Like we don't care about field story or any no. of the men. Like they're all boring. We know their story already. Yeah. We want to. We want to get Joan's story. Like you know, what kind of monster just wouldn't let some woman have a crappy waitress job in a small town? You know, like what is he really protecting here? Um, what is she going to ruin for them?" But yeah, so we're already seeing women's pictures starting to go out of fashion for sure. But she has many more to make. So yeah, I would take Flamingo Road over um, Humoresque or Possessed. Um, I think I'd probably put it in my top five for Joan. Okay. Um, I would put it in my top ten. Top ten. I don't know if I'd take it over Humoresque. Really? I love Humoresque. Again, that's real heavy melodrama. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love John Garfield. The weak, although the weakness of humoresque is when it goes away from Joan. Mm-hmm. You know, we want it to be about her. We, it takes so long for her to appear in that film. It's it's thirty five or forty minutes before sure. she comes up, and you I, know, every the, time we don't I care just, about John Caulfield's childhood. No, I don't. We just want to get to Joan. Exactly. So I'm sorry. You know, you had a big family. You were poor. Joan's poor most of her sure. too to start out with. So I, I I'm not sure that that's a woman's picture though. Humoresque. No, I wouldn't call it a woman's picture. Because Joan doesn't really have any backstory or agenda other than she's unhappy in her marriage and she she can't, but she doesn't really want either man. And I don't know. I mean, I don't, Joan only died in what, three of her pictures. Yeah. She died in Sally, Irene, and Mary. She died in Humoresque, and then she died in Queen Bee. Right. So that's basically, like, that wasn't her thing, unlike, say, Betty Davis, who always wanted a a big, you know, dramatic death at at the end. I want to see Joan live, thrive, and and prosper, and tread on her enemies. In Humoresque, the character arc is John Garfield's, and so her death is about his feelings, not hers, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, she's the foil that makes him, gives him the the tragic stuff he needs to become a a real artist. Yep, Yep, the crap. Yep, exactly. But I'm not really, uh, I don't know. So I know people love this, especially people on Twitter. They love humoresque, but uh, that would not be in my top 10 for Joan. Um, So thanks very much for listening and sticking with us at this time. Uh, I'll be back soon with episode 21, Gloria Swanson and Sadie Thompson from 1928. Thanks very much. I want you to know.
that I wouldn't go until... What are you doing here? Getting up a parade. You're just in time. I'd love you, sweetie. 